Anonymous. Hey guys, it's Emily. And it's Davis. And we just wanted to tell you a like give you a quick heads up about what's been going on and sorry we haven't been posting. Um mostly unoffic- my fault. <laughs> we unofficially went on hiatus and didn't tell you guys. Well but- to be fair, to be fair, we didn't know that we were going on hiatus either. <laughs> No, um, we did not. It just kind of happened between um, work and school and travel. We just kind of like, (laughs) there were not enough hours in the day. But we are back. We are back and we promise to tell you the next time we're going on hiatus. (laughs) Because we don't want to just leave you in the dark like that again. We want everyone to know we're here for y'all. We apologize for ghosting you a little bit. Yeah, we've really bad you know we have gotten through finals and moves and like big life changes and are now getting used to a new routine so this should and will be like you guys are a priority we want you to know that this is something that we love to do and we were like feeling not doing it um so we are like excited to be back and um, so every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, every yeah. other Wednesday, we'll be back in your ears. Yeah, because we've got some really cool things coming up that we're going to be talking about. And um, yeah, so we're really excited and so like sincerely apologize. You are live with Emily and Davis in three, two. You forgot one. Ugh. This is one of my favorite pastimes, that's for sure. It's a fun so, little game for me, and I can play it every week now. So last time we talked about things we can't control. Clearly I can't control David. No, I am I am the tempest, unknowable, uncontrollable, pure force of destruction. That sounded super nerdy, and I'm okay with it. Oh my god. And it's not even like, what you recorded wasn't even like, embarrassing it was just vulnerable things yeah which is why it's all been edited out at this point while people are listening to it i mean i don't always know that that's where you're gonna go so i'll start recording and be oh shit she's gonna be pissed here in a second (laughs) okay so i can't control davis that's what we've established but this week we're talking about things we can control in case you didn't know davis is over here Say hi. Hi, I'm Davis. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to On Life with Emily and Davis. That does sound so much better. Instead of Davis and Emily, Emily and Davis is better. <laughs> I was listening to the, like our second podcast where we recorded that intro for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we like got into that argument like, is it Emily or Davis? Is it Davis and Emily? And I think we made the right decision. <laughs> Emily and Davis? Yeah. Yeah, that's the right one. That's the right one. <laughs> okay, so... Talking about things we can change. Yes. And just, it can be big things like your job, the apartment you live in, the house you live in. The city you live in. It can also be small things. Like the color of your hair. Or the socks you're going to wear today. Or whether or not you want to have black nail polish or get a tattoo. Or if you don't want to put nail polish on because you're not into that thing. You mean you're not like the lead singer of Five Seconds of Summer? I think his name is Luke. Oh, 
then what's Jared Leto's band? I thought he was the lead. Oh, 50 Seconds to Mars or whatever? Five Seconds to Mars? Five Seconds from Mars. Five Seconds from Mars. Something about Mars. No, 30 Seconds. We're looking it up. We're going to fact check ourselves in the moment. 30 Seconds. It's um, 30 Seconds to Mars. Okay, well, Jared Leto, I'm sorry I got the name of your band wrong. can't believe I, it took me too long to, I had to Google that. If it, if it helps at all, Jared Leto, I actually really liked your interpretation of the Joker, so I hope that helps. <laughs> um, anyway, Emily, let's talk about your hair. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk I'm... about things we change and can change and all of that. Let's talk about your hair. Oh, yep, yeah, because it's gone through I don't know how many iterations. Yeah, okay. I, I don't he's, know. I'm, he's looking at me. He's like, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. No, today. I do know. <laughs> I just can't think of how many times I've seen it change. You may not have because I did most of it in Lubbock. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so talking so, about things you change. Yeah, let's talk My about favorite it. thing to change is my hair color. Yeah. Um, so in case you didn't know, and you probably didn't because I look like a redhead. I'm not a natural redhead. Okay, that's what she says, but to this day, I still don't believe it. Because I've seen her natural hair color. still looks red to me. <laughs> um, I'm actually a natural blonde. I was born with, like, strawberry blonde hair. So, it, to date at this point, it does look red sometimes. And then I got older, and it went into that dishwater blonde color. Thanks, Mom. I don't um, even know what that means, but all right. It's like this dirty, dirty, like... Sandy blonde, like not, like ash blonde. No, yours is not turning into that. Okay. I mean, I'm balding, but whatever. (laughs) It's all, it's fine, you know? Yeah, I'm good. Um, (laughs) accepted. Um, but I then, so when I turned 18, like, until I was 18 years old, I was not allowed to touch the color of my hair. So you tell me I'm not allowed to do something and naturally, like, I want to do that thing. Um, but I didn't. And then I graduated from high school. Went through a breakup, you know, all of the things. And I started putting highlights in my hair to make it lighter. Went off to college, came back my, uh, the summer of my freshman year, went really blonde with pink streaks. I don't think I saw that one. No, I don't know if you did. No, I don't think I saw that one. I'm going to have to find these pictures. Um, and then I just went really blonde. And then I went blonde on top and brunette on the bottom, sort of like um, Hillary Burton circa first two seasons of One Tree Hill. Um, and then, and if you're anything like me, that still means nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I decided I really don't like blonde the color blonde for me like the bleach blonde it did not feel right it did not feel like it vibed with me and I felt like a shell of myself which may have had to do with dealing with post breakup trauma you know but um in my journey in college to discover who I am as a person I started playing with my hair so I went ombre I did sandy blonde and red hair and blonde highlights I went red, but like an orangey red, and then I went orangey red and bleach, and then I chopped it all off, and I went like dark purpley red and bleach, and then I decided I wanted to go Auburn, and I have been Auburn for four years, 2019, right? Yes. Yep. (laughs) So I have been Auburn for four years. Love it became who I was as a person, and the hair color reflects that, I think. 
So, one of the big things we talked about last week was taking back our power. Yep. From, from you know... From and, circumstances and, beyond your control. Yeah, yeah. Finding a way to take back our power. So, are you saying that by dyeing your hair, you feel like you found a way to take back your own power? You found something that you could look at every day and observe about your own physical world that you knew you had control over? Uh, yes. I think it was all about... I went from the shell of a person and my hair color reflected me coming into being confident and going after my dreams and things like that. And, you know, tattoos help, you know, that, that did help some too. But, um, I, my hair color was like a reflection of me being comfortable with myself and who I was and what I stood for. Um, and so regardless of the environment around me, like it gives me... And it gives me, like, power. So, you talk about power colors. And mine is red, which is so ironic because <laughs> my um, my ex-boyfriend's favorite color was red. Don't love the ex-boyfriend. Not a good person. Um, but I, in everything that I did, I felt more comfortable in my decisions, more confident in my decisions when I had the red hair. So then, and then, you know, becoming who I was as an adult, separating the child from, like, making my own money and doing my own thing, um, the red hair really reflects that I am my own person, that I can, like, I have my own job, you know, I can make my own decisions, I can stand up for what I believe in, and that's not to say that I don't have vulnerabilities and insecurities and all of that, but... It gives me like this power and this confidence and it just, it makes me feel like me. So when change comes at me, I'm like, no, damn it. I've got this. I'm going to stand up in the face of it. Like I can handle any shit you bring to me because I'm confident in myself and my abilities and who I am and what my goals are. So you're saying that you, you change your outward appearance in a balanced and reasonable manner <laughs> to better fit this internal image that you had for yourself and it therefore helped you not only look like the person you wanted to be but become the become the person you wanted to be both physically mm -hmm. mentally emotionally um so it helped shape your personality is what you're saying it helps i think it helps tell me because i think my personality was there it just I had to like untie the ribbons and dust exactly. off the dust off the cobwebs and break down the walls to let that shine. Um, but it's it's the same thing. Like you know that that piece of clothing that you wear, that you feel like you can take on the world in. So that's what it was like for my hair. And doing that with you know when I started wearing like the jeans and the leather jackets and the heels, like the shoes. You know it just it was. Like, this little bat, I always, like, imagined myself, like, and people would look at me, and I think they, sometimes it felt like I was overlooked as a blonde, because I was just very quiet and very timid, and I'm not, like, and my mom likes to describe me as a rule follower. I'm not necessarily a rule follower. I think I've, like, always had a little bit of rebel and a little bit of badass in there. You know, my floor music for four years of my gymnastics career was like Christina Ag Fighter by Christina Aguilera. 
And that is like a powerhouse song, damn it. Like, I've always been scrappy. I've always been a fighter, like, pun intended. But I felt like that wasn't how the world, like, perceived me, if that makes sense. But it was how I saw myself inside, which is why I, like, totally related to the Taylor Swift reputation era. And I'm kind of a little hesitant about that happy-go-lucky version because that's just not me. <laughs> like, I like the dark nail polish and... I, I like, you know, the black and the leather jackets and the ripped jeans and the boots and the, the baseball hats and, like, the, the darker lipstick. And, like, I just like that. That's, it makes me feel confident. It feels like I'm projecting my, like, outer soul and who I really am. But it also is, like, I think it's kind of, like, a defense mechanism. Like, I'm a badass. You can't touch me. But, like, I still have that vulnerability somewhere inside. Um, but changing my hair color was a way for me to change and latch on to who I was when it felt like everybody around me misunderstood who I was as a person. And, um, it helped me like keep control of things and like stick to my guns and be like, no, you know, I'm confident. I feel confident like this. So fuck everybody else kind of way. You know, I think it's interesting because even I went through a, a few years where I, I didn't change my hair color, mm -hmm. but I changed my facial hair and I changed the way I dress. Yeah. But it was for similar reasons because I wasn't handling the world around me well. Mm -hmm. I think subconsciously I grew the beard as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's a way for me to hide behind a mask every day. Mm -hmm. um, but I also changed my close so I wasn't I went from you know wearing ties all the time and always trying to be clean cut and look really nice and look mm -hmm. extremely pro professional to wearing jeans and flannels all the time because it made me comfortable but at the mm -hmm. same time it helped me calm down about life and just relax and take things less seriously when things didn't need to be taken so seriously. You know, I love a good flannel. I, I wear them yeah. all the time. If I'm, um, if I'm not in a long sleeve Henley, I'm in a flannel. But I think for me, I went really blonde because I was trying to hide from the world. And when I was ready for the world to see me, that's when I went bright red. Because you can't look at red hair like it stands out, you know? And if the cat calls from across my apartment complex, you know, as I was walking to get the mail in college, taught me anything, it's that men notice red hair. And that's not why I was doing it. Um, but I, I was ready to not hide anymore. Yeah. For someone who hasn't gone through changes like these, uh, it can seem a little ridiculous yeah. that these small, seemingly minor things, you know, hair, facial hair, clothes can make such a big difference in your world. But mm -hmm. honestly, project, uh, you said it earlier, projecting your soul mm -hmm. through your physical appearance really can be such an effective way to take back your own power. Well, and I think that's why people, you're talking about fashion, which can be the most basic extra thing in the world. But I think that's why people love fashion so much is because it's a way for them to express their personalities and tell their own story. And really, like, the only thing that you guys can, can 
can, that you can control in a world filled with change is your own story. And so you, you're, it's like you're choosing when to shed your skin and you're choosing when to make the, the leap into the next, the next era of your life. Choosing how to define your own brand, mm-hmm. one might say. I'm dipping into your world a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you are. Well, and that's why I think Taylor Swift is a genius when it comes to marketing. Like, you can say whatever you want about her music, but she has eras. So, like, from her career, you can watch her evolution. And she went from, like, 50s romantic to pop, like, crop tops and short short hair to her bleachella phase, which, not not a fan. was not a fan of the bleach blonde. Um, to her reputation era, where she went really dark to reflect, like, her mood and her walls. To, um, to this happy-go-lucky, like, Taylor in love. You know, she, she changes, and she, like, every time she switches her style or her haircut or the makeup that she's wearing... Um, it reflects where she's at in that life and gives you like a little bit of insight into her soul that she can control in a world where everybody's projecting their own thoughts and feelings about her and her life. And we're, we're talking about things right now that can easily be easy, having quotations around it, can easily be uh, changed back or changed to something mm-hmm. else. Because, yeah. you know, if you if you dye your hair and you don't like it, you can either shave your head off and try again or just wait for the dye to, to yeah. come out. If you try a new style of clothes and you don't like it, you can try something else mm-hmm. and move on. So these are these are like simple changes, yeah. easy changes that we can do to maybe, yeah. and I keep coming back to this because the only way I can think to describe it at the moment is, is easy, simple, quick ways to take back our power. Yeah. And you, when we say take back your power in making these decisions, it could be as a result of trauma or something that you were wanting to, like you were causing you to hide, or it could be just you're feeling stuck in a rut and you, you don't know where to go from here, but you're not feeling joy in your life and you're like seeking something. And this is a healthy way for you to seek and potentially find whatever it is you're looking for. And and it really can be something this simple, but now let's get into something that's a little more complicated, a little more permanent, which yep. I have no experience in, but let's talk tattoos. Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot here. I mean... I'm, not really, I'm between joking. Between the two of us, you're the only one that has one. Yep. So, and I've got no problem with them. I'm mm-hmm. just too much of a bitch to go under the needle and I'm too worried that if I get something uh, three years down the road, I'm not going to like it anymore. But tattoos can be a very powerful, very meaningful uh, method of self-expression. So do you want to talk about how you choose what tattoos you're going to... So I I have a thing for words, you know, professional communicator and all of that. A shocker, right? Um, So I, I love words. I love quotes. Um, I'm not an artist, but I, since I was like maybe 10, 11, I would, I used to like draw all over myself. And as I got into high school, I would just draw words, whether it was love or fighter or fearless or fierce. I love F words in case you didn't know. Um, 
Everyone loves the good F word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite words start with the letter F. <laughs> I, so I always knew, for me, it was like, there's, so there's a One Tree Hill episode um, that with Brooke Davis, who is played by Sophia Bush, and it's, it's about labels. And so she is up against like a projector and they're talking about other people's labels and who you are and like fighting against that stereotype. And I promise I have a point, but she, um, her, she says things like, you know, describing her or her insecurities or whatever. And she paints it all over that and takes a picture. It was for her, for a project, her senior year of high school. And, um, so for me, like it was, it was a way to deal with labels but it was also a way for me to like express who I am but also to tattoo things on myself to remember when I am at a low point or something that you know I am confident I am strong I am capable this is who I am my my circumstances do not define me like I know who I am as a person and so for me I took I took forever in designing my first tattoo and figuring out what I wanted and where I wanted the location to be. And what mine ended up being was it is an infinity sign and it says fearless on one loop and then it says Philippians 413, the abbreviation on the other one. In Philippians 413 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'm not a really religious person, but I grew up Catholic, um, and that was just, that was the the quote, and that was the verse that spoke to me from when I was, like, 10, 11, I mean, to still, like, now. It's knowing that you can do whatever is being thrown at you because, like, you have people behind you, like, but you, and even when you feel like you're not, you're alone, you're not actually alone. Like you can do these things. And so what I, I got tattooed to my rib cage is this idea that I am fearless even when I'm not, like I'm a reminder that I can be fearless. And you ask my friends, I'm like, so I struggle. I overthink things. I do. <laughs> Davis is over here going, yeah, you do, Emily, you do. Um. And it's a reminder that when I turn off my brain, like I can be fearless, like I can go after what I want. I can move across the country. I can move to Lubbock away from family, anything I've ever known. And I can succeed, like I can do those things. And that's what it takes to like live my my life and my experience. And then the other loop just says, you know, you're not alone in this, even when you think that you are like, you can make it through. And because I overthink things, I had been planning this for years and I didn't know exactly what I wanted or where I wanted. Had a brainstorm in the shower one morning, my freshman year of college, and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. Went out, went to Influence in Lubbock. Shout out. Um, <laughs> you guys were great for a 19 year old who had no idea what she was doing. Um, booked an appointment and got it done the next week. And so for me, I guess that's how making those decisions. I want another one now that just says fighter, which will commemorate my gymnastics career. When my best friends think of me, they think fighter. Probably because of my floor music, but also probably because of who I am as a person. I don't really know. That's 
something I can't answer, but uh, I want that as the reminder that, again, like I can make it through anything. So I use, I use art to express who I am and tattoos to express who I am, but also reminders for me when I'm struggling. I don't really know where to go from there because that was such a good... <laughs> A good uh, explanation of all that. But speechless. I made him speechless. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's this idea of changing our own physical uh -huh. selves, our own physical world to better express who we are underneath. Yep. And to express it, but also to remind you when you get lost. Because mm -hmm. I think that we all get, get lost. I guess something to take away from that is the, the outward change that you make doesn't need to be and probably shouldn't be for other people. The no. outward change that you make should be for yourself. No, if you are changing for other people, there is another there's another element there that you need to that we need to think about. And I I know this because I've been there. I've changed who I was for a person and I wasn't happy. The relationship wasn't healthy, you know, and I think we all we all do that because I was so, like, so incredibly desperate for love. But, no, when you make these changes for yourself, you know, and, you know, tattoos are permanent. Um, but, when, like, even for a hair color or chopping it off, yeah, I mean, it grows back. You can, it can always be changed. But you shouldn't be making decisions because other people ask you to make those decisions and change yourself like you need to be true to yourself and if people are accepting who you are you don't need them in your life and that's not to say that other people's reactions and the way that they may perceive you afterwards can't be uh, can't influence that decision but it mm -hmm. shouldn't be the sole number one main reason that you're doing something I think Emily's right in that at the end of the day you have to be true to yourself but, like we were saying, if you're making all your decisions with uh, someone else's needs and wants in mind and at the forefront first, maybe there's a mental trait mm -hmm. that you need to change, which yep. is my segue king. Yay! Into, Where are we going this time? I found another list okay. about ways that we can change traits about ourselves that we don't like and I actually cited my source properly this time okay so not only can I say it was found on my new favorite website psychology today I can also say that this list was created by a uh, Dr. Stan Goldberg who lists himself or is who is listed as a change expert okay okay so it says it's a list of 10 steps, but it's 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 a little more complicated than that, so we're not going to keep count. We're just going to go down the list. Okay. But the thing to know is that there are units, and then within those units, there are things that you do to help perpetuate the change. So there's, like, stages to this process. Yes. And then there are things that you do within that process, or within that, that stage. Yeah. To get you ready for the next stage. Exactly. So, like, the list last week, mm -hmm. this one builds on the step prior so you have to do the first first yep and when you do that properly then you move on to the next one and so on and so forth 
Okay, so what, what does this list say? What's stage one and what's step one? Okay, so Dr. Goldberg wants us to remember, first and foremost, all behaviors are complex. Okay, so... Okay. Uh, That's true. The, the, the strategy that he wants us to work on within this stage is breaking down behavior. Because no matter what behavior you have, there, there's no one side to the coin. In fact, right. it's more like a 20-sided dice. There are many different aspects. So within this article, uh, the examples that he used, and we'll just stick to that one since they're right here in front of me. Okay. Um, the example he uses is a person who wants to become more punctual. Wants okay, to be able to, like be on time wants to be on time to work. It's it's not even just in general. It's wants to be on time to work every day. Interesting. Because he's having trouble showing up on time. Interesting. So what he wants us to do when we break down the behavior is he wants us to separate our desired behavior into smaller self-contained units. Okay. So in the example that we have. To be on time for work, this character, we'll call him Bill, just to give him a name so it's easier. Okay. Bill doesn't need to just think, okay, I need to show up to work at 9. He needs to take into effect, he needs to take into account that he has a morning routine. He's got to get up, he's got to take a shower, he's got to get dressed, he's got to eat breakfast, he's got to do all these things in a certain amount of time so that he can then get to work at 9. Okay. So, just being punctual, just being on time to work, or just doing whatever you're going to do doesn't just involve that one thing. It's going to involve uh, taking steps to do other parts of your life in a certain manner so that you can do this one part in the manner that you want to do it. So I have a tangible example. Another tangible, as many examples as we can get. Let's do it. Um, okay, so I, my goal has been to change up my skincare routine. Because after I came off birth control, my acne kind of went all over the place. And then I was like oily and dry and like my skin's not in a healthy place. So I literally just bought like an entire new skincare regimen that I now have to change how I'm approaching skincare. Which means that I'm going to have to get up earlier in the morning, you know, to make it to work on time and all of the fun things because of this. So I'm like literally like in this place doing these steps at this moment because I need to get my skincare under game. Like I need to up it. Well, see, I mean, just like we were saying, it's not only doing the skincare routine, it's making sure you have enough time to do it yep. every morning. Yep. Because what I have to do and this is awful. And I like realized this as I was going through the process today like shit I'm gonna have to get up so much earlier to make it to work on time to fit this in because I have to wash my face I now have to hydrate my face I have to put the hydrating lotion on my face and then I have to put the sunscreen on my face which then looks also acts as a primer but I have between sunscreen and putting on foundation I have to like give my skin a breather for 15 minutes so the sunscreen is absorbed I roll out of bed at 6.30 in the morning, and I leave for work at 7, which isn't healthy, and that's not my goal, um, and I need to change that anyway, but now I'm going to have to roll out of bed at, like, 6 to leave it to work at 7 and fit all of the things that I'm supposed to be doing into my routine and have that 15 minutes, but from sunscreen to foundation. 
Well, then maybe the rest of this list will actually help. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the that actually takes us from the first stage to the second stage. First okay. stage only had one strategy. This stage is a little more involved. Okay. And he has this one titled, Change is Frightening. It is. It is. It is. It is. Maybe not in my skincare regimen, but in general, like, change is scary. But knowing that you have to get up earlier... Which means you probably have to go to bed earlier yes. and then thinking about all of the things that that's going to affect, mm -hmm. especially your free time, mm -hmm. it, it's not going to cause you to curl up into a ball like a bear is attacking you, kind of afraid, but it still makes you nervous, makes you wary. So when I get to go through changes and changes that I have to make where there's so many decisions involved... I get overwhelmed and then I kind of avoid the whole thing, which is why I've never meal prepped in my life is because I'm, I'm suck at being domestic and I hate cooking. Um, and so then I like sit down and I look at a recipe and what I have to buy and the time it takes to prep and I get so overwhelmed. Well, and again, this should help because this <laughs> is, this is all part of that. Meal prepping may be the next thing that you do, uh, following these these steps and i'm not going to say they're easy steps because they're not they get difficult at the end actually they get difficult here okay so we're in the stage change is frightening okay. so the first strategy that we have to work on is examine the consequences okay because i think sometimes we think we need to make this change in uh -huh. our lives but we don't actually sit down and think what are the consequences of not Right. Of not making the change. But also, what are the consequences of making the change? Exactly. Consequences, consequences specifically, like, they're not good or bad. They just are you, they are as a result of an action or an inaction that is taken. Um, what makes it good or bad is adding that, like, qualifier that at the end, like, positive or negative, you know, it's that qualifier. And that's exactly what uh, Dr. Goldberg says. He says we have to think about the consequences of doing the action and the consequences of not doing the action, and whichever one has the most positives is what we're actually supposed to do. Yeah, I just want to be really honest with you guys in that I have not seen this article, so <laughs> I'm glad we're aligned. <laughs> I don't know if she's nervous that I just pulled up some crackpot article that I haven't read and it could be crazy or she's just nervous because she's not in control. No, I, I'm not. That's not even what it is. It's more I was just like talking about consequences and I was like, but they're good and bad and like consequences are inherently like a neutral thing and that's what the article just said. Well, there you go. So the next strategy is we need to prepare the people around us for, okay. for the change that we're going to take because... You getting up at six in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a huge deal. Your your roommates probably won't care that much, but they may be worried. Like, why is Emily up at all hours <laughs> of the morning now? What's she doing? What's well, going on? And let me tell you, it affects my cat because we have a system, and my cat doesn't like when the system changes. <laughs> I mean, that could, I don't know how you would prepare your cat for the fact that you're getting up earlier in the morning, but <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what he's getting after is you changing your routine, you changing the way you're trying to think and, and react to the world is going to affect 
the people around you. It's not just going to affect you. So it's like try choosing, you know, to be really positive at work, even when it's typically like a negative environment. And then, you know, having to tell all of your coworkers, like, I'm trying really hard to be positive. So like, don't bring the negativity. Or if you bring the negativity, like I'm going to transition it into something positive. Exactly. Because yeah. otherwise, some people might think you're now on crack cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just, you know, coming to work drunk. Well, yeah. I'm happy drunk. <laughs> so, sometimes, not that I've ever done it or ever would, but maybe sometimes that would help. Well, <laughs> uh, we, um, so like, uh, my company gives us like, a stocks a bar perk of being in like a creative field. Like, they keep the alcohol flowing. And so like on really bad days, you can tell because everyone in the office at like 3 p.m. is chugging wine. So the next thing we have to do, we okay. have to be realistic. I keep Which, getting us off topic. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm bringing us back. I'm not really using good segues, but I'm bringing <laughs> us back. We have to be realistic. Because one of the one of the most, uh, one of the biggest challenges to, to change, we make our goals too lofty. So that yeah. we can't actually reach them in a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. And so we give up. Because my, we get too disheartened. My therapist tells me I do that all the time. Which doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all. <laughs> we both do it. So that being said, in our example... Not my skincare one, because that's not a lot no, of people. No, okay, so the, <laughs> the example with Bill. Yeah. Bill. But even trying to get to work on time every day when you have a habit of not getting there on time, yeah. just saying, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and start doing it every yeah. day. That's not lofty. You've exactly. Got, you've got to have preparation. And, you know, there are still things you can't control, like traffic. Exactly. But you got to, like, budget in time for that. So... In our example with Bill, uh, instead of just assuming that he's going to go through his entire routine the next day and still get to work on time, he starts preparing certain things the night before, like laying Mm -hmm. out his clothes, making sure his lunch is made then, so you're just kind of grabbing and going instead of trying to take care of all this stuff at once. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the next stage, which this is when it starts getting difficult. The change has to be positive. And what he's getting after is we have to find a way to enjoy it. Yeah, there has to be, like, that positive reinforcement. Exactly. Yeah, it's like um, the science Pavlov's dogs where you ring the bell and you get a treat. So then the dog rings the bell and gets the treat. Look at you bringing in the history. (laughs) We switched roles today. So there are three types of positive reinforcement. There's intrinsic, extrinsic, and extraneous. I think I have discussed this in an advertising course before, but I don't know. No it clue. I wouldn't know anything about that. Under Undergraduate <laughs> was a long time ago. Yeah. So this article is saying that we have to, to, for the change to stick, we have to have two of the three. We don't have to have all three, but we have to have more than one. Okay. And so the strategies here are trying to pick two of the three. We don't have to do all three of them, but we Mm -hmm. have to pick two that we can do. Okay. So So what is the definition of intrinsic, extrinsic? That's what we're getting into. Okay. So intrinsic is enjoying the act. Like internally? Internally, it's something you enjoy doing. So for Bill, he really liked the fact that if he prepared everything the night before, like laying out his clothes, mm-hmm. he knew that he was going to look really nice the next day. 
because he wasn't hurrying in the morning trying to get everything out of the closet and put on and everything. He knew the night before that everything was pressed and uh, straightened and all his colors matched and things like that. So it goes back to our, like, examples we were talking about earlier about how, like, clothes can have this, like, positive reinforcement for you. Exactly. Makes you feel more yourself and more on top of it and more confident. That example with with the clothes is a, is a little complicated because mm-hmm. then it gets into the extrinsic, extrinsic, sorry. Extrinsic. Yeah, I have a really hard time saying that word. I mean, I, I butchered it a couple of minutes ago, so <laughs> <laughs> you're insane. <laughs> but the extrinsic outcome or payoff is when we admire the outcome. So not only does he enjoy putting on clothes that he knows match and he knows are clean and he knows mm-hmm. are straightened, he also admires his own self-image the next morning. Okay. So, so it's, it's the still, outward. So when I think outward, I think people's reactions and like the external environment that is giving me like positive, positive reinforcement. And so it's something I want to continue to do because I love being loved by people. Um, but so what you're saying is extrinsic is it still is like an intrinsic. So intrinsic is like enjoying what you're actually doing. Okay. He's enjoying putting out the clothes. And then extrinsic is when he gets them on, even if he didn't like laying them out, straightening them and everything. Once he gets them on, he looks fly as shit. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, in Taipei world, he enjoys organizing his stuff. And so he's prepared. And then... He, like, puts it on, he's like, damn, I feel good. And an- another way we could put this is, um, so someone like me, mm-hmm. I love to clean. Okay. hate cleaning, so I'm a bad person for that. So the act of cleaning in and of itself mm-hmm. is the intrinsic payoff, because I like doing the act. But I also like the look of a clean kitchen. So the fact that the kitchen is clean is my extrinsic payoff. Now, someone like you, who hates to clean, but probably still appreciates a clean kitchen, you may hate cleaning the kitchen. But I feel so much better when everything is clean. So whereas I get the intrinsic and the extrinsic payoff, you only get the extrinsic. Love it. That's... Okay. There we go. We're on the same page now. So now the, the last strategy that we can use. So if, you, if you're doing something and you're only getting one of the two we've been talking about. You're only yep. getting the intrinsic or the extrinsic. You're not getting the both. Yep. You're not getting both. Which is, explains why I'm a dis- or my house is a disorganized mess. is because I only like the extrinsic part of it. So the next step is the extraneous. Okay. We'll pay off. And in this example with Bill, uh, whenever he meets his target for the morning, when he, if this week he's trying to get to work by 9, 10, mm-hmm. every day that he gets to work by 9, 10, he puts $20 in the jar that he's going to use to, once it gets to a certain level, he's going to pay for a trip to Hawaii. So there's, that's where the external factor yes. comes in. Yes. But it's got to be something that you look forward to, that you're right. building up to. Mm-hmm. It's something down. So it's 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 got to be something more than people are going to like me more. Yeah. You know, it's got to be something that you can 
almost like a tangible something mm-hmm. that you can hold on to and enjoy. And so, like, again, in this example, it's a trip to Hawaii after a certain amount of time. I like it. Yeah. It's I like def- it. It's definitely reaching into the treat yourself attitude. And well, and treat yourself is a great thing. You know that latte you want that you make it through a hard week and then you can go spend five twenty five on a Starbucks latte. Like and that feels good. That's a good example because that's something instead of you know like a trip to Hawaii when you're putting twenty bucks in a jar, it's gonna <laughs> take a while. If you do these smaller rewards as you're going along. That's a good one for, say, like a Friday. If you met all your goals for the week, then Friday morning on your way to work, you're going to stop and get, did you say latte? I don't understand coffee. Yeah, latte. There you go. Latte. Yeah. Um, So my question is, how do you work? How do we handle that? How do we keep staying on the path of these changes if the feedback it? You know, it has to be collected. There has to be, there's a longer lead time there. That actually gets us into the next stage. I love when I do this. It's like she could have written this article. (laughs) It's more, you know, I think it's the professional communicator brain. So this gets us into the stage that's entitled being is easier than becoming. And so just because we're doing these things doesn't necessarily mean that we're becoming the person we want to be there are Uh other things we have to do okay so the first strategy is we have to take and this this is back to we got to do all of these things now it's not it's not either or yeah no everything you have to check everything off once you've picked at least two in the last stage now we're moving on to back to we've got to do everything okay okay so uh we have to take baby steps so, like, the example that we're talking about, if we are trying to show up to work at 9, mm-hmm. but historically we don't show up until 9.30, okay. probably not a good idea to just cold turkey start trying to show up at 9. Yeah. So, we start off with, this week, I'm going to show up at 9.20. It's like sleep experts every time they tell you to adjust your sleep schedule, it's gradual. So, you wake up 10 minutes earlier and go to bed 10, or you... And then you go to bed 10 minutes earlier, and, like, it's this cycle of segmented, incremental change. That's exactly what it is. That's how we keep on track with our goals. I'm awful at the, like, I expect, I want to make the change now, and I want it to be, like, night and day. And, and I, think, I think most people are like that. Yeah, which is, which is why so many of us find it so hard to change these little behavioral quirks mm-hmm. about ourselves. That we know we need to change, but yeah. we can't really seem to do it. Gotta take baby steps. Well, and to put it into, in dealing, I've been dealing a lot with relationships, and that's part of why I went into therapy. And I know I'm taking us on a tangent again, but I promise I have a point. If you have it's, a point, there's not really a tangent. <laughs> um, I so I've been in therapy for two years, um, and I. Every other week, like clockwork, I'm in my therapist's office for 45 minutes, and we're talking about all of these things, Um, and when I started, I felt so overwhelmed and I was so scared because I didn't like necessarily some of the things I was doing or how I was approaching things in my, my life or how I was reacting to situations, 
And so every, you know, every other week, like clockwork, I'm in her office. And two years later, I can look back and go, I would have reacted two years ago, something traumatic happened, or I made a mistake at work, would have sent me into a full-blown panic attack. Now it's, okay, I'm panicking, but I'm also like, people fuck up, people make mistakes, you know? And like, it's not the end of the world, nothing's on fire, nobody died. Like, and I can then like walk myself back up. And I didn't realize like I was making that much progress in therapy until, you know, situations like that happened where I was like, oh wow, so I have like, I have changed and I didn't even see it. Exactly. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. Because if you take these baby steps, you probably aren't going to notice until a lot later that you have made these monumental, yeah. monumental strides. Also, I think that's also why in, like, the workout apps, so, like, um, there's, like, a, I think it's BBG, that they encourage you to take pictures of before and then incremental change afterward. Um, so, like, every couple of weeks on the same day doing the same thing, like, you're supposed to take pictures, and then you may not see the evolution week to week, but you compare month to month, and you see the change, and that's what keeps you motivated, minus, like, the endorphins and the fact that working out makes you feel good. Not only do we have to take baby steps, we also, in this stage, have to start preparing for problems. Okay. When we know that we're going to have issues with getting up in the morning like mm-hmm. like you you might have you mm. might have to turn up the volume on your alarm clock or put I it on a different radio station my alarm clock it is so bad and it's the most annoying sound and drives everybody in my life crazy so and, sorry to my future partner in your case you may just have to set more than one alarm oh i do yeah. <laughs> i still sleep through them but so that so then i get a cat and the cat pounces on my face because he's hungry there you go yeah that was one of the best wake-up calls I ever got when my dog would come in and wake me up. It was like friggin' clockwork, but it worked. Yep. So now we move on to the next stage. Okay. And this is where we're reminded that slower is better. And that sounds similar to taking baby steps and preparing for problems, but this one is more about establishing a calm. The example that he tells us is when you start walking in a lake or a river or something, you're going to kick up a bunch of dirt and Uh a bunch of mud and the water is going to become really cloudy and it's going to be chaotic and you're not going to be able to see your your way through. Yep. But when you stop moving and let the calm establish, that dirt sinks back to the bottom of the lake and then you can see through the water again and you can figure out where you are and what's going on. And it's the same thing when we're trying to change these habits is we have to allow a calm to settle. Uh Uh-huh. As we're working through these issues, because if we don't let the calm settle, or the, yeah, if we don't let the, let it settle, then we're never going to establish a routine, and we need to establish a routine so that it becomes an ingrained trait. Yep, so it's, it's like adjusting your body clock to where then, like, like clockwork, you're waking up. I like your, your analogy, the example that he gives here of, like, you have to be calm, and if everything's moving and the water's muddy you know you can't see a way forward and you just need to take like take a step back take a breath I think for me that's one of the things I struggle with the most steps from my anxiety and panic attacks and so it's I think calm is something that we don't talk about enough like as a society but when you are like spinning out or being like uh, all of the spinning out I think is 
best way of putting it. Um, so when you're doing that, you know, it is so hard to get past the, the panic that you are feeling. And so take this a step further. I think we need to figure out how you can achieve that calm for people. I know for me, um, mine, going back to a balloon analogy, it's sitting there crying. So I'm not like, so I'm releasing some of the emotions I'm feeling. But the other thing that my therapist has me working on at the moment to calm the panic is physical grounding. So it's like bringing myself back down into myself. Um, so one of the ways that she's done that is like, you know, taking us going outside, you know, taking us taking in the sunshine barefoot feeling the concrete like feeling like the earth I can go through I haven't read the the tips there but that I, I mean I can we we want to but like that's one of the ways that I then I'm calm because I'm grounded well and and I definitely do want to talk about this more in depth but we're at time now <laughs> so I think what we should do is put a pause on it and we'll finish up with this list next week. Okay. We are like way over time. <laughs> I know. I was watching it. I was like, it's 6 p.m. already. What? Yeah. This one is, um, I think, I think change has been our, our most productive topic so far, which is interesting because both of us hate change. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll be back next week to talk about the rest of the steps and um, continue talking about little things we can do in our life to make a huge impact. Yeah, so what are the things that you guys do to make changes in your life for yourself? We want to hear about them. Let us know on Instagram or in the comments on the podcast section. You know, we want to hear examples from you guys too because I know we talk a lot. So <laughs> We do talk a lot. Um, Sometimes straight out of our asses. <laughs> Almost all the time. But, <laughs> um, so... Let us know what you guys think. Um, we'll be back for part two next time. And like, subscribe, do all of the things. Please share this if you like it. If there's something you want us to talk about, let us know. Um, until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Davis. And you're listening to On Life with Emily and Davis.